Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Get yours today. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Orna and Matthew Walters. Orna and Matthew, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, we sure are. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, if anyone out there listening isn't familiar with Orna and Matthew, let me, let me give you a little background. They are soulmate coaches for professional single women, and they're the founders of the Love on Purpose Revolution. It's a global online event dedicated to busting the myth that love is supposed to happen by accident. Now, Orna and Matthew work with clients all over the globe, utilizing the tools of transformation. They're dedicated to spreading the message that having love is an inside job, and that's never too late to find the love of your life. Through creating Love on Purpose, Orna and Matthew have inspired and guided thousands of singles through the journey of self-love, to bring in their beloved. Orno, Matthew, take a minute and fill in any blanks there may be in that intro, and then go ahead and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would. Well, sure. I think one of the things I, I just want to share is we didn't even meet and come together until after we were both 40. You know, because so many people, you know, wonder, wow, is it too late for me? Can I not find love? And, you know, one of the reasons, you know, we jokingly say that we are relationship experts is because between the two of us, we've pretty much made every mistake you can make in relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we figured it out, right? That the relationship is something you can figure out. It's not a big mystery, and it's not something that either happens or doesn't happen or is meant to be or is not meant to be. You know, when we say busting the myth that love is supposed to happen by accident, we really want to break apart these myths that we have about love that says love operates differently than anything else in the universe, right? If you want health, if you want to make more money, if you want to, you know, build more muscle in your body, there are specific actions you can take that will lead to that result, and love works the same way. Nice. I like that. I like that. Well, let me ask you folks, because one of the things that, that I found both for myself and, and with our guests on the show is that it's, it's really, it can be really helpful to have a guiding principle. And maybe it shows up as a quote or a mantra or just some kind of touchstone that you apply in your partnerships to bring you back when you're kind of off the page. And I'm, I'm wondering what you folks use for that that helps you stay centered and, and how, you know, our, our listeners can apply this in their lives. Uh, well, for me, I definitely think it's the quote from the song Nature Boy that was featured in Moulin Rouge. It's actually written by a guy named Eden Abez. And that line is, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. 
And one of the things that Matthew and I really practice in our relationship is that we don't, um, we don't ever withhold love. You know, a lot of times when people run up into a conflict, and, and certainly Matthew and I have conflicts, you know, we get asked that a lot, right? Like, do you guys fight? <laughs> like, well, yeah, you know. And then they go, well, what does it sound like? Well, it sounds like a fight, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, and I don't, you know, I, I think it's unrealistic to think that we would, you know, we've pretty much spent every day together for the last, coming up on nine years now, and we work together, and we marry, we live together, you know, we spend a lot of time together, so certainly those conflicts arise, but I think really what's important is to understand what you do with a conflict, you know, that that really we see conflict as a doorway to a deeper connection, that, that really we all have these wounds that come in in childhood, right? When we work with a client, we work under this idea we call your love imprint. And your love imprint is how you learn to receive love in your family of origin. And you're literally looking for that match. And a love imprint match seems to be um, setting people off course to find lasting love because they're only going with that charge of connection and spark and attraction, chemistry. And what Matthew and I know is when you really transform your love imprint and can really make a decision about who you want to partner with as a grown-up, as an adult, from that adult perspective, not from those childhood wounds, right? You cultivate a healthy discernment. Then you can come together into a partnership where you choose each other, right? And that's really where Matthew and I are. So because we've chosen each other and we've chosen to build our lives in such a way where we do spend an extraordinary amount of time together, that when those conflicts arise, we don't ever withhold love. We don't, um, we don't hold grudges. We don't hold on to things. You know, there was a time when we did have a conflict and we decided we needed a pause, right? We took a break. And in that break, I said, you know, look, I, I need to get to the store, so I'm going to take a break. We're gonna, we'll talk about this when I get back, and I'm going to go to the store. And I went to the store. I picked up whatever we needed for dinner or whatever. I was shopping, and I picked him up a, a treat. You know, like I picked him up a, a cookie that I know that he likes, you know, and I got one for myself. And so when we came, you know, I got home and he's like, all right, you know, are you ready to, you know, I've had some time to think. I've, I've calmed down. I'm like, yes, I've calmed down too. And oh, here's a cookie. And he looked at me just was like, oh, you got me a, a cookie, even though we were in the middle of an argument, <laughs> you know. And I think it's one of these things where we can often get really stuck in an ego battle, Right, because our ego says, well, I want to be right. You know, I need my partner to see my point of view. And what Matthew and I have really discovered is to create lasting love together, that it's really not about who's right or who's wrong, that it's really about speaking your truth to someone, being able to share how you feel with someone, letting them see you, warts and all, being vulnerable, taking that risk, so that really when that happens, when two people are authentic and they risk, to that vulnerability of being authentic, they can really have what our soul desires, which is emotional connection. Yeah, that. Thank you for for sharing that because I, I, I think what you said there at the very end is just so valuable to to highlight. Is you know when we let ourselves be vulnerable with each other and we hold that space for each other to to be that vulnerable person, we have the greatest connection possible because it's it's vulnerable it's raw it's dangerous you're taking that risk and you're trusting that other person that they're not going to use that against you exactly and 
You know, for me, it goes back, I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, the Aboriginal greeting of the, the Aboriginal natives in Australia. And when they greet somebody, it goes like this. The first person says, I see you. And the person responds with, it's good to be seen. And for me, that's really it. That's what we're looking for in intimate relationship. Yes. We're looking for somebody to see us and for us to go and to receive that and say, wow, it's good to be seen. It's good to be seen for who I really am. But the truth is, I can't be seen for who I really am until I share what's really going on, until I'm able to say, wow, you know, the real reason I'm upset is because this is so much like what happened to me as a child. And, and you know, there's a fear inside of me that this is going to happen. Right? And when we say that, the other person's like, oh, I see you. And here's what's going on with me. Right? And when we do that, then we create connection. And what's, what's so interesting is like the argument itself disappears. We rarely go back and, like, quote, unquote, solve the argument. Because it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter who cleans the dishes or whose fault it was that this got broken or whatever that doesn't matter anymore because now we have what we really desire is that we see each other and we can be seen and we feel that connection that intimacy there's a there's a picture that we have on the wall and it's a picture of orna with her brother and she's like two years old and and she's holding this this stuffed dog and there's this look on the face of this little girl, and, and I know the truth of her childhood upbringing and the craziness in her family and everything. And I see that little girl, and you just see this lost look on her face. And for me, when we're having conflict or we're, we're not feeling connected and, and it feels like, you know, why is she doing this again, right, the voice we all get into, is I always remember to think of that little girl that little girl who was so lost in that family who so needed to be seen and, and be valued and be loved. And, and with, there's a picture of me as well when I'm about two or three of my sisters holding me. And there's this, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I'm smiling, right? It's the little kid is like, what? What just happened? And, you know, for Orna, she tells me all the time, she says, I always think of that boy. And when I focus on that, then I can see the wound. I can see the little boy in adult Matthew, right? And I can feel empathy. I can feel compassion for what's going on over there. Yeah, that, that's that's so valuable to remember that, you know, a lot of these things have been around a long time. And, and we may actually feel like they're, they're our normal. Yeah. And it's, it's not really where we're at. It's just this wound's so familiar, we don't know ourselves without it. And so we think that's, that's just who we are. So thank you for bringing that up. You know, what, I, what I'd love to do is one of the things that our, our, our listeners have told us they love about this show is the stories that our guests share. And so I'm going to ask you two to share with us a story. Well, let's start here. Let's start with let's start with a time in your life when well, you, you kind of tripped up on a partnership and, and give us a, a, a quick story of, you know, what were you doing? What what you trip up on or, you know, what tripped you up? And, and then expand a little bit on, on what you learned from that misstep that helped you move forward? Oh, wow. Well, we call this, um, I, I'm like, okay, which one do I want to pick? Because, you know, like Matthew said, between the two of us, we, we've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to limit you to and, one, Orna. 
Right. We, we do this <laughs> practice with our clients. We call it finding the golden nugget, yeah. right? It's like after you've grieved and mourned a relationship, you know, I, I used to do this as, I mean, I didn't call it something because I didn't know I was going to be a, a, you know, a love coach, a dating coach or a soulmate coach, you know, one day. Um, but I, you know, I used to do this practice where whenever a relationship didn't work out, you know, when I, I'd gotten through the, that first chunk of the grief, you know, of it not working out and I can really get some perspective, I would start writing down, you know, why this person? Because I really believed, well, if it didn't work out with this person, there was something I needed to learn, you know, like a game board, you know, it's like move three steps forward towards your beloved, you know, <laughs> like, I thought I needed to learn something from this specific person. It needed to be that person that I was in a relationship with that would move me towards the person I was, you know, going to be with and that I needed to gather these nuggets of learning. So that's, you know, this this exercise we call the golden nugget. So I was in a relationship with a guy named Steve in the year 2000. It always sounds like so important. The year 2000. And, um... Steve and I were in this relationship, and it ended. And, boy, i, I got to tell you, Ken, I was searching for that golden nugget. Like, it really started to bother me. It was gnawing at me. I couldn't find it. I was like, why Steve? Why did it have to be Steve? And when I finally figured it out, I mean, wow, it just knocked me right over because it was, it was so powerful. And I think one of the huge nuggets of learning that I got to really carve my way towards Matthew and what I re- recognized as the golden nugget was Steve and I dated long enough where I spent time with his immediate family, you know, his parents, his siblings, their, you know, spouses, etc. And, you know, every family has their dysfunction. Don't get me wrong. Steve's family has their dysfunction. But one of the things that they did so beautifully that was missing in my family of origin is they loved one another respectfully. They had this really respectful love in their family of origin. And I'll give you a great example. Like the first time I ever met Steve's mom, I was at his house and his mom called to say she was in the neighborhood and could she stop by. And I remember just being floored. I was like, (laughs) your mother called to ask if she could stop by? Like what? And this is before cell phones too. So, you know, she had to stop, I think, like at a payphone, you know, and call to see if she could stop by, and I was just blown away. And so one of the things that I know in my family of origin, like I love you in my family of origin, meant I don't respect you, because love in my family of origin meant I could do anything to you. Mm. And respectful love has a boundary. Respectful love means I must be, I must lovingly, you know, love on you, right? I have to respectfully give my love to you. I'm not, it's, there, there's a boundary there. You know, like the way two ballroom dancers come together to create this beautiful dance. There's space between them, right? They touch in certain places, but there's a space that expands and contracts between them, and that is that boundary of respect, which needs to be present in relationship. Yeah, that's that's great. Matthew, do you want to share one of your stories? Sure, sure. And like Orna said, you know, there's there's a lot of them, so I've been sort of debating back and forth which one I'm going to tell. <laughs> And, um, you know, one of, one of the, the stories I tell a lot because it, it also um, it elicits another concept we have, which we call the funhouse mirror, right, which is that the other person that you're in intimate relationship with is a reflection of you. You just normally don't recognize it because, you know, it's a funhouse mirror. It's distorted, right? 
It wouldn't work if we could see ourselves. Sure. It only works because we don't see ourselves. And so in the spring before I, I met Orna, before we got together, I was dating this woman. And externally, she was everything that I thought I wanted. Right? She was a yoga teacher. She was a meditator. She was a vegan. She, she had her own garden. She grew a lot of her food in her backyard. She rode her bicycle over. She was living a life that, to me, reflected a lot of my values. And so I thought, wow, this, this is the person. Right? And I got really attached early on because externally, you know, she appeared to be the person. Now, you know, our dynamic was not good at all. We, we had one of those crazy, intense 24-hour first dates. You know, and, and she lived in San Diego, and I lived in L.A. at, at the time. And, and so as soon as she went back home, she called me, like, the next day and said, I don't think this is going to work. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're perfect, right? And I convinced her to stay, and we, we proceeded to have this crazy sort of roller coaster dramatic relationship where, you know, things would be great, and then something would happen, and we'd have an argument, and that argument would escalate, and we'd break up, and then we'd get back together. And, and I stayed really attached because I was really attached to – the image of who she was. But when I finally was able to end the relationship and move forward and find Orna was when I realized that she was showing up for me because I was still needed to learn how to love and respect myself. Because so many of the disagreements we had was she would say, well, there's something about you that I don't like. And I would go, oh, okay, well, I can change that. And I would go, you know, work with my coach or my mentor or my friends or whoever, right? Whoever would listen. I'd say, there's this thing I want to work on, right? And I'd come back and she says, wow, you worked on that. I said, yeah, right? But there was always something else. And there was always going to be something else with her because it was a reflection of my lack of self-love, right? I was doing all the work to change and grow for her, not for me. And so it wasn't until I got that and I, I went, oh, this, she's showing up in my life to teach me that I still have to love all the parts of myself. I have to love the parts I don't like. Right? And that's, that's where we all get hung up because we, we think, well, I, I, I love the parts of me that I like and the rest I just want to change. But the truth is that self-acceptance comes when you love the parts of you that you don't like because you realize they're showing up for a reason. And, and so I was able to get that message and then able to focus on that. Okay, so how do I do that? And, and I, I really did some you know, concentrated work on how do I love myself? How do I love these parts I don't like? And then Orna showed up, and we were dating. I don't think we were together maybe two weeks. We were having a conversation. I remember it was in her kitchen. And she said to me, I, I only know what, what prompted it, but she said, oh, you're perfect for me. I don't need you to change a thing. And for the first time in my life, I was able to hear that and receive it, and I didn't argue in my own head with her, right? You know, in the past, I'd always say, well, wait till you get to know me. You'll see. I'm not the perfect, <laughs> right? Um, but at that moment, I was able to hear it and go, oh, wow, great, and receive it and say, yeah, I don't need to change. Yeah, that's that's such a huge epiphany, if you will, of, and, and, and what an amazing gift to have that said yeah. to you. Right. And go, yeah. well, you're fine just the way you are. And one of the things I've found in, in, in doing work with with men and women and, and, and recognizing like how we're wired is for a man. And I don't know about you, Matthew, but for me as a man, when we have that permission or that observation of you're you're complete just the way you are. 
it actually then gives us the space to grow. Yeah. And until we feel that way, we're stuck trying to figure out how we can be okay where we are. Right. Well, so much of it is 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 um, resistance as well. I mean, you know, I, I know for me, some of my core values are around independence and freedom and, and my own ability to decide for myself, right? And so if somebody else is telling me I need to change, there's always a level of resistance to that. Yes. But if somebody says I don't need to change, you know, I'll give a perfect example of this. So I, for most of my life, I have been classified some version of the phrase moody, not a morning person, grumpy, cranky, whatever you want to call it, right? Even as a little kid, I, I was like grumpy in the morning. And um, it's been a part of me that, that I've struggled with because it's like, why can't I wake up and just be happy unless I'm alone and then there's no nobody pushing against me and I can feel okay, right? But if there's somebody there, I'm always like, get away from me. Don't talk to me. Stop asking me questions. And I don't know how this came up, but Orna and I, early in our relationship, when we were living together, we renamed that quality. And instead of it being grumpy or cranky, we decided it was crunchy. Because crunchy has no judgment in it. Right? And one day, you know, she's like, how are you feeling today? I said, I'm feeling really crunchy. She goes, oh, well, good. Have fun with that. Enjoy that. Be as crunchy as you want. And in that moment, suddenly my mood, I realized, was all in my control. Mm. And I could either choose to stay in that space or I could let it go. But there was no resistance to it, right? And since the person I loved was telling me, hey, have fun with that. Be as crunchy as you want to be. And because there was nothing pushing against me, I was like, oh, huh, do I really want to stay with this mood or can I let it go? And oddly enough, I just decided to let it go because I'm like, I don't really, I don't want to feel this way. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, is, that's a great story yeah. because, I mean, I think you're going to start a crunchy movement here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is when there's, when there's nothing to push against, it just goes away. Exactly. Early in a relationship, it's easy to look at the person and just see who they are. But, you know, when you spend day in, you know, day out with them, you wake up next to them, you go to sleep next to them, you start to think that the way they are is somehow like your, you know, has to do with you. And the truth is, is the way Matthew wakes up in the morning, well, that's all about Matthew. That's not about me. Yeah. Right? And so, really, for me, it's sort of like, oh, well, whatever. He can wake up however he... I mean, I'm a very different person in the morning. I mean, I'm more like Tigger. You know, I jump out of bed and I'm ready to go, you know, ready to face the day. And, and it's, you know, we don't need... We get hung up on these ideas of, like, in order to find a partner, we need to find somebody who's just like us, you know? And, yeah. and I think, really, that, that just creates a lot of dissatisfaction because someone who's just like us... Well, that's just a platonic friend. You know, there isn't the, the spark of attraction actually comes out of the differences, right? You're always going to have differences between you and your partner and recognizing that you're going to be different. But I, I love that Matthew is different than me. You know, I, I'm somebody, like, we work together. I mean, I, I'm somebody who just naturally makes things more complicated. That's just my natural setting, you know? I tend to make things more complicated. And so... It's nice working with Matthew because I'll start thinking in my head, well, we could do the thing and the thing, and then, then we would do this first, and then there's that, and, there's, and then suddenly I exhaust myself, and I look at him, and I go, wait a second. Hey, Matthew, how do we make this easy? 
because he, he's wired to just naturally find the easy door. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if I just let him, you know, he'll let me wear myself out with all of these ideas, and then we'll just, I'll give it to him to decide the easiest way to do it. Nice. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. What I would love to do is we've kind of, we're dwelling on, you know, some stories of things that were kind of sideways and weren't working so great and what you came out of them. What I'd love to do now is switch gears to actually have you share a story with us of one of your proudest partnership moments. And it could be romantic, could be family, career, whatever area it shows up in. And and kind of the indicator for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me is, you know, when I think of that partnership moment, I can't help but smile. And I'm just wondering, what's one of those for each of you? That's a really good question. And, and I, I had an answer, but then when you said it just makes me smile, I was like, well, actually, I'll say it differently. This is something that for me was a a um a, a moment of of really stepping up for myself mm-hmm. and in that sense it gives me pride nice. um you know we early on orna and i when we moved in together we were having one of those late night arguments you know the ones they they usually start right before bed and you know if you decide not to go to sleep angry they go to two and three in the morning right yeah. and um you know, we were in the middle of this, and, and I, I had this realization right in the middle of the argument. And I, I stopped, and I looked at her, and I said, you know, in the past, this is when I would normally leave. This, for me, would be like, this is it. I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out of here. And I'm not leaving. Not going anywhere. I'm here for you. And... Because I'd never done that. I'd always left. Anytime it got too hard, it got too difficult, or you know, um, the argument was too whatever, I would just I would just check out, or just leave the relationship. And for me, it was that moment of like, no, this is too important to me. You are too important to me. For me, and I am too important to me for me to just leave. And and it was in that moment that you know everything shifted, and and I knew that we were going to be together. Yeah, that's that's a great one. And I would definitely, you know, it may not be a smile you get on your face, but I, I totally see why you'd say that'd be a proud moment. Did you have yeah. one you wanted to share, Warner? Yeah. Um, Matthew and I, when we started going out, um, when we were dating, my mom had four heart attacks in three days wow. and lived, lived to tell the tale, still lives today. And um, so Matthew basically, I don't know, we'd been dating a month or so, a couple months maybe, and my, I mean, Matthew basically met my whole family in the CVICU unit, you know, in Tarzana Hospital. And um, this was a a pretty long road of my mom to come back from. And there was a night when it was just the two of us at the hospital, and we were at the nurse's station because I was waiting to get some information from the doctor. And the, the nurse had come into my mom's room and said, you know, the doctor's going to be calling. Could you come, you know, towards the nurse's station? We were standing there in the nurse's station. And, you know, in the CVICU unit, it's like everybody has their own room, and you know, sort of in a semicircle with the nurse's desk, you know, sort of at the end of the horseshoe, so to speak. And there was a, a, a gentleman, a guy, an older man in the room next to my mom's, and every... I don't know, every minute or so while we were out there, we would hear him, and he would say, you know, like, help, you know. And at one point, and, like, the nurse never even seemed to notice. 
And so I think like the second or third time he did that help, that call for help, you know, Matthew said to the nurse, um, oh, I think, you know, he needs you in there. And the nurse just dismissed it. It was like, oh, he does that all the time. And, you know, I took the call from the doctor. I got the information I needed. We went in and, you know, finished, you know, you know, sat with my mom a little longer or whatever. And when we left, you know, and these, it's, I, I, won't, I won't ever forget this moment. But when we were walking towards the double doors, right, there's two sets of double doors to go in there and to go out. And as we were standing there between the two sets of doors waiting for the second set of doors to open, Matthew grabbed my hand and said, please don't ever, no, promise me that will never be me. And honestly, I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with him in that moment. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let me, let me ask you, and, and Matthew, this is actually for you. When, when you said that, what were you saying? What were you looking for? Do you remember? I mean, maybe this isn't as prevalent in your, in your memory. Um, you know, I, I think part of it was the desire to not be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting when it, when it comes to relationship. It's like, we always say it this way. Nobody is sitting on their deathbed thinking about that extra car they bought or thinking about, you know, the extra hours they put into work. You're, you're thinking about your relationships. And, and because that is what is important, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, we are here to be interdependent with other human beings. We are here to create and maintain and experience intimate relationships. I don't, I don't know if you've read any of the stuff that came out in the last couple of years of the, the Harvard Grant study. No, I don't right, think the, so. The, mm-hmm. uh, you should check. It's a 70-year... It's the longest the, longitudinal the long, study. The longest longitudinal study of human behavior. Oh, wow. And they started with these these young men who entered into um, Harvard, right? Sophomore year of Harvard. Sophomore year, yeah, the Harvard Grant Study, right? So they came in their sophomore year of Harvard, and they were looking initially to study, you know, what makes certain men successful, right? But what was interesting was the study kept getting funded and funded, and it kept sort of changing its focus, but it followed these men for 70 years. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion they came at the end of the study was the single most important factor to determining our success in life is our ability to create and maintain intimate relationships. Love, Mm -hmm. right? Our ability to love one another and to maintain that love over time is what determines how much money we make, how successful we are in a career, what impact we make in the world, all of that. And, And to me... That's a, that was a foreign concept until I got into this relationship with Orna and, and we started doing this work together. You know, when, when Orna says, I never thought I was going to be a relationship expert, right? I, 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 it was nowhere on my radar. But everything shifted for me when I began to experience what it really meant to be in a loving, intimate relationship with somebody who who really believes that I don't have to change and she loves me the way I am and, and I love her the way she is, right? You know, that everything sort of changed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really it. Yes, I mean, 
do do we want to accomplish things in the world? Do we want to live a certain way in terms of a certain standard of living? Of course, we all want that, but it is this. It is love. It is intimate relationship which makes our lives worthwhile. Thank you. Well, we've actually reached a part in the show here where I call it the bring it all home portion. This is where we're actually going to step away from stories. And I'm going to ask you to provide some very specific, concise uh, guidance for our listeners so that they can apply those little nuggets to their partnerships right now. And where I'd like to start is I'm wondering what would you say is the, the book or the resource that, that you would recommend to our listeners and why? Oh, wow. Well, I, I, honestly, I would say, um, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but we have a, a book called, um, it's, a, it's an e-book and it comes in an audio and a workbook. It's called The Soulmate Shortcut. And if, um, if your listeners are moved and want to know more about themselves through our work, because really it's all a self-exploration, the journey to your beloved is really through yourself, right? We say it like this, right? The love that you seek is inside of you because it is only the love for yourself that is reflected back to you in your beloved's eyes. And um, if they're interested in, in going that path, on, you know, whether it's to deepen an existing relationship or to uh, bring in a beloved, that um, our soulmate shortcut book is really... Um, that the, where to start on that path and they can get that at the soulmateshortcut.com yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna mention a book and it's it's kind of an oldie but a goodie but it is it is the book that sort of set me initially off on this this whole journey and um it's called the road less traveled by m scott peck mm-hmm. and there was something very powerful in the opening paragraph of the book where basically he says some version of look, life is difficult, life is full of problems, right? The sooner you accept that and go about solving those problems, the happier you will be. That so much of our lives are, are spent avoiding problems that actually increases our unhappiness, Yeah. right? And, you know, it's that, and it's, that's the approach I know I take in our relationship. If I'm feeling disconnected, if there's a problem in our relationship, I'm going to address it right away. I think it was the, the Gottman Institute that, that said, what was it, um, the, the average couple will wait six years. A minimum. A minimum it's of not six average. years. Right? It's a minimum of six years with a relationship ending issue before seeking professional help. Wow. I can't wait six minutes. <laughs> Before addressing it with Orna, because I'm like, I, I, there's nothing that to me is more uncomfortable than that feeling of disconnection from my wife. We say it like this, you know, develop a very low tolerance for, for disconnection. Yeah. Right. And if you have a low tolerance for disconnection, you'll want to clean things up as soon as they happen. You know, we don't, we don't have, you know, water under the bridge. You know, we really don't. We're, we're walking through a desert here. There, there's no water built up between us, right? And it's because we really have this way of just moving through day to day and not letting things pile up. Um, we have this practice. We, we, we call it, you know, keeping the sink clean, right? We, 
we we don't let dirty forks and dishes pile up. And and the nice thing about having that agreement between us is is I can have an annoyance and I can say to Matthew, hey, I've got a dirty fork I got to talk about. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, because he knows it's just a dirty fork, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like some huge thing. Not a pile of dishes. You know, and what, <laughs> instead what we do, you know, we're told these ridiculous sayings, you know, like I think some of my, two of two of my least favorites, I'm going to say it like that, my least favorite. One is don't rock the boat. I hate that, right? Because when we really, when we speak how we feel, it's a way of honoring and valuing the self. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I'm not afraid to rock the boat. I can swim. <laughs> you know, if the boat turns over, we'll swim. It's going to be all right. And then my other least favorite is pick your battles, which I just think is ludicrous. You know, I'm not in a war with my husband. This is the person I love most in all the land. I don't have to pick my, quote, battles because I'm not in a battle with him. I'm not in a war with him. I'm not trying to win or lose. I just want to be connected with him and move through our life day to day, creating more and more joy. Yeah, no, that, I, I love the, the, the dirty fork thing, because the other thing that I, I, I hear when you say that is it, it adds just a drop of amusement into it. It's not it, it, it depersonalizes it so you can go, OK, it's a dirty fork. It's not I have a bone to pick with you or you're a horrible person or I'm, I'm pissed at you. It changes the dynamic of that conversation when you introduce it exactly. that way. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly. Yeah, because let's face it. But I mean, the truth is, Ken, if something about Matthew bothers me, that's my problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not about Matthew. You know, I mean, I can make him responsible for the way he behaves, and he is responsible for the way he behaves. But my response to his behavior—that's a hundred percent mine. Yeah, a hundred percent mine. So if something is bothering me, it's mine. But talking about it and saying, hey, there's a dirty fork here, now I have this connection with my husband. You know, we've all had that experience. We bump into somebody we haven't seen, and we're like, oh, you know, you ask about their spouse, and they're like, oh, we got divorced. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, it's okay. We grew apart. And I was like, what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, we grew apart. Like, what, gravity pulled you apart? You know, like, what? You, You grew apart because you stopped cleaning the sink. Mm-hmm. You stop making an effort to create connection. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 definitely a a, a, a full contact sport, if you will. Nobody gets to sit on the sidelines and actually be exactly. I love that game, full so. contact sport. That's yeah, a great yeah. analogy. And, I mean, and also, you know, I mean, we think, you know, look, committing to be in a lifelong relationship with somebody that is the most intensive personal growth workshop you can take yeah. and you can sign up for without a doubt without a doubt you know I, i'm recognizing something here and i'm sure our listeners are too which is you two have an amazing amount of of, of inspiration and resource for them and I'm, I'm wondering if you would let our listeners know just how do they contact you how do they learn more about what you do sure our, our website is creatingloveonpurpose.com um, so they, we have a we have a blog there where we answer um, you know people's relationship questions. We send out a, a weekly newsletter called Love Notes Weekly, and where we put in a love note, which is just sort of a a short little spiritual saying that that connects you to the truth of what love is. And then in that newsletter, we also answer a question in there. So it is actually probably the most popular thing we do that we get the most response to, which is our weekly newsletter. 
Nice. Excellent. Well, I got to say, Orna, Matthew, I mean, these have been amazing stories. So honest, so genuine, and, and, and obviously very inspirational. I, I've learned a ton. I know our listeners have. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much. We feel so honored that you reached out to have us on the show as your guests. And we just want to thank your audience for listening. And, you know, I just want to let anybody know who's listening that's really, if they're in pain and they're feeling lonely or heartbroken, we just want you to know that's only a temporary state. You know, that's what I really want to leave your listeners with. But I hope that what we can, what we've shared today does inspire you to know that love is your birthright because you came in as the human embodiment of the energy of love like every other human baby and that is your natural state thank you thank you very much thank you for listening to speaking of partnership head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on follow your yes friday it's easy to do Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.